All right, we are live. Welcome everyone to another edition of our weekly Wednesday uh, series where I have the fortunate opportunity to get to interview some of the top agents all across the country. And today we're delighted to have Clarissa out of Asheville, North Carolina join us. So I personally have never been there. I've actually haven't even heard of Asheville on my end coming from a bigger area of the Bay Area, but uh, I'm certainly interested and I would love to learn more and I'm sure the audience will be able to learn a whole lot more momentarily. Uh, but before we have Clarissa tell us about herself, a uh, quick update for everyone. As you guys may have noticed, interest rates have continued to drop. So if you're renting or you know of anyone considering to do a possible trade up, I'm certainly never too busy to be introduced to help you along with that journey. However, without further ado, let's get started. Clarissa, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What did you actually do before you got into the real estate industry and how long has it been so far? Okay. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I appreciate it. So I've been in real estate about three years now, full-time. Uh, previous to that, I owned a bar and restaurant in Asheville uh, called The Social. It's still a bar and restaurant that I sold right, right before that. And I grew up in this area. So I've done quite a few jobs over the years, but most all center around either restaurants or retail uh, before I got to real estate. Nice. And what led you to get into real estate? My little brother was a realtor since he was 18 years old. And so just watched him really thrive in that role. And he was always like, you should get your license too. He moved from Asheville to Manhattan a couple of years back. And he was the team leader at Keller Williams Manhattan for a little bit. And then he started his own brokerage called Skyward Steel. So he was always in, encouraging me to go ahead and make the leap and, and make some money. Very interesting. Did you ever have a opportunity or a chance to actually work together or because of the geography, it never really happened? Interestingly enough, he just joined EXP, his team of about 30 agents and himself just signed up underneath me. So previous to that, oh, we wow. have not really worked together other than when I first got started, he would basically pay for the Zillow leads and then I would give him a 50% referral fee. So we did that for you know quite a while when I first went out on my own. Got it. And so, yeah. oh, wonderful. And so tell us a little bit about the kind of the traction, right? So like, how did it go the first year and what are you kind of projecting or what have you done so far this year in terms of uh, the volume, but also in terms of the dollar amount? Okay. So last year I sold uh, $20.8 million. I did 61 transactions. Um, the year previous to that, I did about 6 million and 32 transactions. And then um, I'm a two times icon agent. This is about to hit icon again. So it'll be three times in a, in a row. Um, I'm on track to beat last year's numbers. I've done close about 35 so far this year and uh, hovering right around the 10, 11 million mark. So That's far. amazing. That's amazing. And so your average sounds like it's probably your personal average is maybe 300,000. Is that mm -hmm. in line with what the average is there? normally or is it yeah, higher? It sure is. Okay. It so sure is. It's kind of creeping up a little bit, but right now the uh, average home is bit like around 350,000 in Asheville. Got it. And so what are the local, what are the drivers of why people are moving to Asheville? Um, like what kind of jobs are there? Is it a secondary home? What's the backstory of how people choose Asheville? So I think there are a lot of people buying second homes here right now as a result of the, the COVID-19 virus. 
because a lot more people are able to work remotely. So they are able to keep their same job that they had out West and then come here and they are amazed at how much money, you know, they can get a lot more house here for their money and kind of get it, get around a little bit easier too. So we have a lot of, I would say of my 17 pending contracts right now, more than half are from someone moving here from out of state. It does make it difficult for the people who grew up here. It, they are, kind of pushed out of our city because of the price points. Uh, so our number one employer in Asheville is the Mission Healthcare Systems. So a lot of um, doctors, nurses, you know, first responders, that sort of thing. Secondly would be uh, the city of Asheville, which is the police officers, firefighters, things like that, um, teachers, Uncle County teachers. Um, and then the third is of course the restaurant industry. That's our third biggest. So we have over 200 150 independent restaurants in Asheville. So a lot of people that own their own restaurants and not a whole bunch of chains here. So we're a food utopia, as I was telling you before the show started. Interesting. And, and how are they doing these days? Like what's the environment? Are they, is it just outdoor dining? Is it takeout only? Uh, what's it like in that, in the local area of how you guys are handling yeah, this? It's, it's been difficult. So a lot of uh, restaurants have closed up. I'm you know anxious to see who is going to come out on the other side. So first, of course, it was just takeout only. They have recently reopened restaurants, but bars, which is another huge aspect of Asheville, were considered Beer City USA. We beat out Portland, Oregon last year. Um, oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, we have a lot of local breweries, like fantastic beer here. And so bars are unable to open. The only way you can open right now under the government's orders, governor's order is um, if you're a restaurant, also with alcohol. And then Buncombe County has its own restrictions where they, you have to stop serving, uh, for previously bars were able to serve food and beverages until 2am. Now they're having to cut that back significantly. So I know it's tough on those folks and hopefully, yeah. um, they'll, they'll get through this and hopefully we can reopen soon all the way. Is it getting any better as the months goes on or is it kind of just this, is this stuck for, for what's, what's been reopening in your area? Right. Oh, no. And just this morning in the paper, I was reading that, you know, we had a decline in, in cases and that the hospitals were having a decline in, in hospitalizations mm -hmm. um, and school is remote again right now. So the kids will not be going back to school, um, hopefully, and they'll go in the fall, but they're they're not able to go as scheduled. So hopefully we'll see those numbers continue to decline and everybody can, you know, get back to whatever normal is. So. Nice. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about the type of home you can get, right? So the average home is $300,000. And um, like, how big of a home is that? It's like, is it a single family home? Uh, Do you guys yeah, have 300,000? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I couldn't hear the rest of the question. Um, so I think you said you're asking what, what you could get for that money. So for 300,000, yeah. it depends which part of town. In West Asheville, you could get a two bedroom, two bath, you know, about a thousand square feet for 300,000 or, or a little bit more, probably you'd have multiple offers. Um, if you're looking in other parts of town or just a little bit outside of Ashley, you might get a three to 1700,000 um, for, for 300,000. So it just depends on which part of town that you're looking at. But um, anywhere, I would say anywhere from a thousand to, to 2000 square feet, you could expect in around a two to three bedroom home. Are there many condos and townhomes in your area or that's not really uh, applicable? Mm -hmm. No, they, there definitely are. They're certainly building more. There's a lot of apartments they're building because the locals are unable to purchase oftentimes and they'll be indifferenting. So they're oh, building sure. a lot of apartment complexes. Condos can be, you know, a great way to go as far as affordability. You can probably, 
the cheapest condo I've seen in a while is like 125,000, but then you've got your HOA dues. So um, if you want a house under 200, you're usually looking at a mobile home. Our mobile homes sell anywhere from 130 to 200,000 for like a, a double wide, like a three bedroom, two bath double wide. So they it's a pretty competitive almost, market, like I said. It's, um, yeah, I mean, they almost, if, if a mobile home costs that much, they almost might as well just buy a single family home or a condo, right? I mean, that's very comparable, which is really interesting out in your area. Well, I think if you needed a four bedroom home, the only option you're going to have is a mobile home. So, and you needed to stay under 200. So very see, armed armed. We're seeing those, you know, appreciate just the same as homes right now. It's, it's very mm -hmm. interesting to watch our, our market kind of explode around here. Interesting. Do you, do you have many investors from a, from a rental perspective or just, or not so much? Absolutely. So Asheville is number one for Airbnb in, um, in rental. So across the oh, nation, wow. as people are looking for Airbnb, Asheville, North Carolina is the number one searched place to come. So we also have restrictions against those in the city, but in the county, uh, just outside the city, then that's a commodity. A lot of people are trying to do that, grab up those rental and do short-term rentals with those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not seeing as many long-term rentals and it's, you know, it's a, it's a problem. Definitely. I think that that's one of the reasons city council had voted to ban short-term rentals within the city because they wanted to save those homes for more first-time home buyers. But we definitely do mm -hmm. see investors coming in here right now, especially from the short-term rental perspective. And how is that business still going? I know Airbnb in general has, you know, has shifted it's their business completely. But given, I think, not here, it's, it's everybody wants it. Nobody wants to stay in a hotel right now. Um, I know that I have a couple of short-term rental um, commercial property that I have under contract that's eight different units. They're completely booked. They have been since June, every day of the week, every unit, all the way through. October. So wow. it's um, not really slowed down here. I think the hotels have been affected because less and less folks want to stay in a hotel when they're vacationing just due to the COVID-19 virus. Mm -hmm. I, th I think you're right. I mean, because I, I think Asheville seems like it's much, it's a destination that's very doable from a drive perspective. So people want to have that weekend getaway type of atmosphere. So it, it, it seems like it probably hasn't, I mean, obviously it impacted the restaurant industry a lot because they can't do the same kind of service, but from a travel perspective, it may be even busier. It, would you say it's actually even busier than usual because people can't fly or don't really want to fly anywhere anymore. But, uh, since it's, you know, it's only a couple of hours away from a lot of metros, uh, they, it should be more popular than ever. Is that fair to say yeah. in this time? Absolutely. So they did, uh, they did ban short-term rentals for a short period of time in March mm -hmm. and April. And then when they were able to reopen, it just started to rebook uh, so much. And yeah, uh, we were seeing a lot more traffic, a lot more out-of-town license plates for sure mm -hmm. uh, in the area. And that's a lot of people just getting out, which we're a huge, you know, we're nestled in the, the mountains in Western North Carolina and the Appalachian Mountains. It's gorgeous. So people were mm -hmm. already coming here to see waterfalls and go hiking and experience the food and the brews and all that. So, yeah, and they're now they're able to and still work remotely. So it's just been an interesting transition. Interesting. Sure. And so how do you how, how has the local market been in terms of from a real estate perspective, right? So was it was it really hot all year? Did it slow down at all? What was what were the trends over the last six months? Right. So it was looking, it started out really great, just like we all thought 2020 would. Uh closed, mm -hmm. you know, I think nine 
properties in January and then February was the same thing. I think I had three or four closings, which was normal for February. Mm-hmm. I had a ton under contract for March. And as soon as that COVID hit, um, I had, I think eight terminations in one week, every morning I was waking up like another termination. Um, but then as soon as and they shut us down, we were not deemed essential employees. So a lot, a lot of people were really scared, obviously, and fearful, a lot of investors backing back out. But at the same time, remember how we also employ, healthcare is our largest employer and we have so many essential jobs, the police officers, the, the firefighters, the teachers. So those people are still looking for places to live and taking advantage of the excellent interest rates. So then, you know, soon as we were deemed essential again, I mean, it's just been nonstop, you know, three under contract in one day. I have 17 pending deals right now um, with me and my team. So it's it's just been, it's great. I'll take it while I can. Hopefully it won't yeah. slow back down. Are prices continuing to increase? Is that what you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Really low inventory. Yeah. So on the seller side, it's definitely a seller's market. I'm finding whether the house is 200000 or whether it's a million, I'm getting a contract within 30 days if it's priced correctly often with, with multiple offers. So the buyers are paying full price and happy to. And you know, one of my buyer agents put in an offer recently, went 10000 over asking on a you know $250,000 house and still didn't win the bid. So it's very competitive. You've got to be ready to roll and be a serious buyer right now um, mm-hmm. if you want to play in this market. Like how how long do things last on the market? Is it a week and then offers are due? Like what's the current turnover for just a a, a fair price property? Um, a fair a fair price property is going to go under contract in a week. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. it just depends on the agent and what their clients decide to do. We see a lot of one day on the market and then it's gone. So like I said, especially under the three and 400,000, you've got to, got to be ready to, to pay top dollar and have a very, you know, big competition going on. Wow. Do you still see that happening throughout the year? Do you guys have aspects of seasonality where people may stop looking? Um, but do you expect this to continue to happen for the rest of the year? I do personally, in my experience, the slowest months are typically, uh, February, January, February, and, um, March. biggest tourism month where we had the most leaf lookers coming to see the leaves change on the mountains. Um, and then, yeah, all last year and the year before I stayed so busy all the way through the winter through again through January. So I'm sure a lot of that depends on, you know, what happens in the election and what happens with the COVID-19 and, um, but yeah, right now we're, like I said, I think everyone's just so busy. You know, I know that my favorite attorney said that he closed, you know, over a hundred in July is a, is a record for him and July was a record for me. So we're just seeing, uh, crazy numbers coming out of everything right now. Got it. And so how do you personally manage your business, right? I mean, you do basically on average, sounds like maybe an average six or seven a month, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, how can, are you I have at least one a week? Right. And, um, okay. I have an, I have an assistant who is mm-hmm. a virtual assistant and she does all my paperwork and sometimes will help with contracts and even mm-hmm. sometimes help with going to get groceries or taking my kids somewhere. Oh, okay. So she it's a local, everything. it's a um, local then, admin, not a, not a virtual, right? Yes. She's local, but she's virtual. Like she isn't, we don't work usually, you know, side by side. Um, uh-huh. then as I told you, I'm in the keys right now and we're still working together. So, um, yeah. then I have an awesome fire agent, Victoria Clark, and she uh, just came on new to the team this year. And then nice. I have two new or two other referral partners that are really not part of a team, but we, uh, you know, I'll give them leads if Victoria and I can't take them and they will pay it's like 50% referral. So, and we might expand the team as we, as we grow. 
are those referral agents within like the same area that you would normally cover? It's just when you have too much, you, you just refer it out. Is that how it works? That's correct. Yeah. They live here in Nashville as well. And okay. they're both, you know, underneath me with EXP. One of them, I'm her mentor. The other one already graduated the mentorship program, but they're people that, you know, I trust and to do a good job and they've got their own business as well. Um, I don't even know that they'd want to join a team, but they'll always, they're always willing to take extra work. So mm -hmm. it works for us right now. Nice. And have you shifted your business at all uh, during this time? Like, are you doing anything different? Uh, is anything taken away these days too in your area? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out a way to get more organized for sure. Um, and slowly getting there. But I think sometimes, you know, things happen so fast. So as the business was growing and I realized I needed people, it's hard sometimes to, to you know, slow down and, and train and do the right thing. So trying to get organized with my, um, with my assistant, my wife agent's really going to help us, I think, to speed up the process down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, are open houses still available in your area or are they they're removed for good? No, you can do an open house. A lot of times we're doing oh, wow. ones where you take a reservation. You let someone know which time to come. We also, if, if, if you're doing one, we did one last Sunday, for instance, and they you're not allowed to have more than 10 people come into the home at once. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. Though, everyone right? has to have masks on. <laughs> Um, got hand sanitizer they're available yeah well we never really had 10 at a time but that's <laughs> okay. the rule so you definitely oh, wow. cannot have okay. that but i think they ended up having four different families come through all at different times so it worked out really well Just keeping uh -huh. you know social distancing and all of that and of course it's up to the seller i have i've had a seller recently you know who has who has had cancer and she's like she would ne not want that at all so um right. i do my best with my listings to go ahead and do a walkthrough video and a drone video on everyone so it really eliminates sold a bunch sight unseen from people that didn't want to come until, you know, till closing. So much I hate to do that. It's still nice in this climate to have that. Interesting. Now I know you mentioned things are moving very quickly from getting in contract. Do they typically have still contingencies in place or their non-contingent offers is the norm in your area? Most are non-contingent. However, I have one that's a contingent right now on one of my listings. They're, they're, need to sell this one to buy the what they're buying and our buyer came in and needed to sell theirs in, in Seattle before um, buying this one. Uh, in most cases, the a seller wouldn't take that, but we didn't have any other offers. So I think it just depends on the situation. But in most instances, the seller is going to choose a different offer that doesn't have that. Sure. There. What, what is that close of escrow time then? I mean, if they have to still sell one, they need the money for that. Like, is it a really, really long close of escrow given just logistically, it'll take time for that other property to close? Um, not necessarily. So it just depends on that person's market as well. I'm writing most of my contracts to close in 30 days, especially if oh, it's wow. multiple offer. I want to close it in 20 or 30 days. However, because of the refis, the appraisers are backed up right now. So we're often extending closings once we're under contract because for that appraisal, because there's so many people refining and taking advantage of these amazing rates. Mm-hmm. So I got another question actually too, which is um, for your buyers, which banks do they typically use? Do they use a local bank that you recommend or do they use an online bank? Uh, what, what do you kind of see from their own lending um, service or platform? I see a lot of the local mortgage lenders here. I personally just use one guy with Ameris Bank. He's local here in Asheville, calls you back. All they do is mortgages. Sometimes when you're working mm -hmm. with a company like Wells Fargo, 
I mean, I'll tell my sellers do not accept a prequel from, from Wells Fargo because I've had so many issues with them because they're doing so many different things and it's tough to get someone on the horn and, and to chat with you. So yes, I see mostly local lenders. Um, Movement Mortgage is really big here. Ameris Bank is really big here. And those are those are people that can get you closed in 25 to 30 days. You know, I had my guy from Ameris Bank close me a VA loan in 17 days before. So wow. um, they just they move a lot swiftly and more swiftly and they have better rates overall. What what have you seen recently as, a, as maybe one of your more recent buyers? Like what kind of rates are you talking about? Well, I just closed my new house and it was 2.73 2 was my rate for 30 years. So that's wow, pretty nice. for primary. That's a, a really great fixed rate. Yeah. No, that's really good. That's very good. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you see any differences? Because you mentioned the price ranges. The average is three hundred, but you did mention that previously there. You know, whether it's a million dollars, is that market any different in terms of velocity, um, or do those sit a little bit longer? The property I had listed for one point one million had um, multiple offers within within two weeks. So it's still we're still getting wow. those, and typically an out of town buyer. So most folks right. that live in Asheville natives are not going to be buying those million dollar plus homes. Um, right, right. And we really don't have many much inventory, I think over 3 million. So 3 million is kind of where we tap out at. We have, we do have like one listing that's been on the market for 12 years at you know, <laughs> 9 million or something. Nobody's bought it yet. It's just a huge house. Um, Cause I'm just finding even in that million dollar plus price point, people are wanting smaller homes. They want, want custom, beautiful finishes, but they don't want these, you know, five, six, seven thousand uh, $7,000 square feet homes. They want, you know, 2,500, 3,000 square feet. So it's, it's interesting shift. And there are a lot of large, large homes in the mountains that are, oh. you know, six and 7,000 square feet. They were built years back and all these people are ready to sell. And it's hard to find a particular buyer for that. Uh, so are these typically in the mountains or are they typically near a lake? Like what's kind of describe what a million dollar home is? Uh, you mentioned like four to 6,000 square foot. So it's maybe not as practical. Um, right, so, right. Yeah, describe like describe that listing that you had, like, and, and why did that sell so quickly? What do you, why do you think that did? That one is a very desirable gated community in uh, Fletcher, North Carolina, which is just outside of Asheville. Um, and most of the homes in that community are 5,000 square feet. They do have a mountain view, very private, like I said, gated. There, there's a lake at the entrance, a small lake. So that's one example, but then also um, near the Biltmore State, which is where, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that is, the Biltmore House is there, which is a huge tourist attraction. And there's a community there called the Ramble, and those are where the homes range, you know, 1.5 to 3.5 million. Um, so I think it just depends, a lot of the gated communities. And then, you know, as you go a little bit outside of town, you will find, you know, a parcel that maybe has 30 acres, with long range mountain views and a huge house on the top. That one also might, might be in the million dollar range. So it just, it's a big, it's all over the place here. You'll, <laughs> our market's very unique for sure. Interesting. Interesting. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing about the local market. It's always fascinating, uh, especially now I, I can't even go drive or <laughs> fly anywhere to, to see new areas. It's, it's always nice for, you know, local top producers like yourself to be able to share like what, why are people coming here? And I'm sure some people will eventually, if they're nearby, they would love to drive out there, but some eventually would probably have it as a bucket list to go travel, especially if they're big uh, foodies or, or um, beer <laughs> beer lovers, things yeah. like that. Brewery, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hiking. Uh, so, I mean, that's why Portland is such a great spot for a lot of people here, at least on the West Coast. But I'm sure on the East Coast, that's kind of your uh, equivalent or your go-to spot. 
Um, so how can people get a hold of you if they have any questions or they, if they want to learn more about the local market? Like what's the best way of people following you or getting in touch with you? Sure. No, probably text is the easiest way that I'll respond the quickest. So 828-774-6343. You can give me a call, but I'm not the best with uh, listening to my voicemails. And so, and then also my email is clarissa.marshall at exprealty.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for uh, sh showcasing and sharing, you know, how you got started in, in the process, in the real estate journey, but also about the local market. Thank you everyone for everyone else for tuning in and I'll see you at the next one. Bye now. Right, thanks so much, Spencer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.